Okay, uh, so we are, we are looking this morning at a very important topic. We've been talking about who is God and what is God. Uh, and uh, this morning we're talking about the Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, probably, probably a topic that we don't spend enough time kind of thinking through uh, and, and making sure that we understand from, from Scripture. Um, so we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning doing that. You will notice that it's a, it's a pretty short section in the confession. I mean, the par- it's just one paragraph. Uh, but then if you, if you go through the rest of the confession, this is kind of like the, the, the Holy Spirit. There is not a section on the Holy Spirit. Many over, over the years, I think, have noted that. They, they've said, well, there really needs to be a section on the Holy Spirit. Yet, if you go through the confession, read it from beginning to end, it's all the way through. <laughs> uh, you can't miss uh, seeing uh, the, the Holy Spirit and, and the role that the Spirit plays and uh, on and on. Just all the way through. And the, the same is true with the Trinity. Uh, you can't miss it all the way through. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know, just a statement of why it may be fairly short in the Confession, this paragraph on the Trinity, is that uh, the, the, the Confession is not about... Uh, trying to conjecture uh, and, and, and draw the dots, which uh, a lot of people do today, and, and that's okay to some extent, uh, but it really just says this is what we believe to be true out of God's Word, uh, directly out of God's Word, and uh, therefore it's left up to us to, to go through and really understand it. But, but uh, And we'll talk about Old Testament and New, uh, what, what it really has to reveal to us about the uh, about the Trinity, um, but it is the confession tries to be kind of commensurate with what the Bible states about things. So when we get to adoption, you'll notice that section very short, actually just one paragraph, I, I think if I recall correctly, uh, and and so and, and that's what we find as we go through biblically. We don't have a whole lot about that. It's very important, but we don't have a whole lot on it. Uh, but the same here uh, to some extent with the Trinity. Let me say a word of prayer and then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you this morning for our opportunity to to do what we are doing right now. Uh, Thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. And we know as we begin to talk, uh, as we have over the past couple of weeks, about, about you, about God, and about how you've revealed yourself. But especially today as we talk about the Trinity uh, we know that we are we are dealing with uh, holy things, with that which is high and lifted up, and that which uh, really we are unable to fully grasp in any sense of that word fully. Uh, and yet, you have chosen to reveal yourself in ways that are concrete, in ways that we need. And so, I, I pray this morning that you will solidify in us. Uh, what your word has to say about who you are as Father, as Son, as Holy Spirit, uh, and that in our words and in our language uh, in the future, but even more so in our hearts and in that which we hold to be true and that which we believe and we live out of, uh, Lord, that uh, we will not only be right, that we will be correct and we will share with others that which is truth, uh, but also, Lord, that we will worship you because of who you are and out of that uh, truth uh, with a heart that's full 
uh, because we are able to know our God. Uh, So we do pray for your help this morning. Uh, Help us with understanding. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, so right at the right at the, the very beginning. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's just let's take the uh, confession. Let's read the paragraph that we have. So, if you got one of these kind of books, it's on page fourteen and fifteen. But fourteen is where we will will read, uh, and it's number three there. All right, Nathan, would you can you read number three? Sure. Thanks. In the unity of the Godhead, there be three persons of one substance, power, and eternity: God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Pretty. Pretty short, pretty compact, right? Uh, yet it affirms exactly what we need to affirm. The very first thing, and this is for especially for the for the kids that are here, uh, is all the kids. So if you're coloring over there, you can look up. Uh, and uh, we've got a question about the Trinity right up front that we have to affirm. And I, I've written the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We find out out of God's word. And then I said, is God with a question mark? And so I'm going to check uh, each of the blanks uh, as, as we affirm what is true. So first of all, is the Father God? Yes. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> what about the Son? Yes. Okay. Fantastic. I think you already know the question I'm going to ask. The third question. What about the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit God? All right. Fantastic. (laughs) Now, here's the question. How many gods? One. Thank you. One God. How many persons? Three. Okay, let's say that. One God in three persons. Let's say it together. One God... In three persons. Say it again. One God in three persons. That's foundational. Uh, do we understand this fully? No. We don't. But do we know this is true? Yes, absolutely. And this is, uh, out of God's Word, it is what we're provided with for understanding for life and and we begin to understand many things out of God's Word because this is true. But this is this is kind of the foundational uh, element, you know, as you read through the confession there. In the unity of the Godhead, there be three persons. And we'll talk about this of one substance, power, and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Uh, in the unity of the Godhead. So there is one God. And that's that's what the Bible testifies about all the way through uh, one God. Let's look at uh, a couple of passages. Uh, first of all, this is kind of the foundational one out of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's a good chapter. Yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. That's what? Six, right? Uh, it says 6. Okay. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm having everybody turn to the, the 6th chapter. <laughs> so, Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
And uh, verses 4 and 5, and, and uh, if, if we were, you know, 2,000 years ago, and uh, we were gathered here to get t- today, and we were part of Israel, then we would uh, turn to this passage. Well, actually, we wouldn't turn to this passage. We'd just all recite it together because they knew this by heart. This was fundamental. This was the basics. Uh, it, 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 it's called the Shema, which comes out of those the first couple of words there. Hear, O Israel. Uh, the word hear uh, is the Hebrew word Shema. And so this is what they were to hear and know. And, and, and so this is what they would recite. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now think about for Israel, what were they surrounded by? Pagan nations, which did what? Worship many gods. Even the nations that had one god, uh, like you know, Moloch or any, any of the others, uh, Baal, uh, they, they would say, well, this is our god. But your god is, and they would say with Israel, your god is Yahweh. What would Israel say? Our God is the one God, the one true God. And, and it's not that they just made that statement constantly just to develop a conflict, but, but they made this statement, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And this, of course, comes right after uh, uh, Janelle just talked about chapter 5 in Deuteronomy, yeah, which, which is the Ten Commandments. Uh, and so just after he gave the Ten Commandments uh, was this affirmation, uh, one God. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. I just want to go to a couple of places in the New Testament. Actually, uh, can somebody ch- turn to James 2.19? Who's going to turn to James 2.19? A couple of people. Okay. Thank you, Linda. All right. And uh, 1 Timothy 2.5. And somebody can read First Timothy two five. Got that great. Yeah. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Okay. And so right there, yeah. We and and really, as you go through the New Testament, you can't get away from the Trinity. Uh, Father, Son. I mean, every, almost every passage that you're turning to, it may be Jesus speaking, but we're going to hear Him speaking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to hear Him uh, talking about or praying to uh, the Father. Uh, and, and here, you know, just a, a you know, one particular place uh, in First Timothy where Paul says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So, He's talking about the Trinity, but he, he's affirming there is one God. Uh, and then, Linda, you get uh, James 2.19. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Okay. You know, we, we, we do is we go through, we learn about the demons. They don't, they don't believe in the sense of having followed uh, the Lord, of having faith in Christ. But they know what is true, and they know that there's one God, and that He is over them, and they shudder. And so this is just a, a statement of, of fact. Uh, there are many other places that we can turn to, but I, I just wanted us to uh, see that and affirm there's one God, yet there are three persons. So for the kids again, who is the first person of the Trinity? The Father. The Father. Who is the second person of the Trinity? 
Thank you. And who is the third person of the Trinity? Thank you. Yeah, so first person, second person, and third person. We're going to be spending a fair amount of time later on the second person of the Trinity. We talk about that Jesus has two natures. Now, did he always have two natures? No. Good. <laughs> Outstanding. No. He's uh, fully man, fully God, uh, but at the same time, he, he, he didn't have two natures uh, from eternity. Uh, yet, from eternity, and we see that in the, the confession, there are three persons of the Godhead, first person, second person, third person, as we just went through. Each person is God. You'll see that diagram over there. Each person is God. Uh, those are the lines in the middle. Uh, but the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not the Father. Uh, really important to affirm that. Uh, it, it, you know, just that simple diagram there is refuting. I'm saying what Scripture says, but it's also refuting several heresies that have uh, come up over time. So how do we know each person is God? Well... They're from the Bible. Thank you. That's absolutely right on. So let's turn to the Bible. Let's, uh, let's go to the book of John. Okay, John chapter 1. And we could, we could probably read this whole section, you know, John 1 through something like, uh, you know, 18, I guess, but um, I'm just going to point us to a couple of verses. Look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we've got, it it starts off kind of like an enigma, you know, the Word. Uh, So we would read this today, and if we're not familiar with it, we would say, well, okay, who is the Word? Because it says... uh, he, verse 2, he was in, uh, was in the beginning with God, but it also says, and the Word was God. Uh, well, we'll skip right down. We're not going to read all the way through, but look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Of course, John was writing this after, uh, after Jesus had lived upon the earth and and had uh, gone uh, and been crucified and risen from the dead, ascended into heaven. Uh, And so now, having experienced that, now he's reciting the things that happened. But he he begins in this this way, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Uh, But if you go back, and the Word was God, so who, who is Jesus? Yeah, and there, there are a number of different answers. The Word, right? And He is God. Uh, he is truly God. Turn uh, to another. And if you've got questions here, please bring, please bring them out. Bring them up. Uh, there are all kinds of questions that can come up uh, out of this. And not all of them can I answer. Not all of them can, can any of us answer to some extent. Okay, Acts chapter 5. Now, this is a very difficult spot. Acts chapter 5, right there at the very beginning of it, we learn about uh, 
Ananias and Sapphira. Just before that, notice uh, that uh, Barnabas had sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money, laid it at the apostles' feet. Then we read chapter 5, verse 1, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Uh, And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the, the apostles' feet. So what was he doing? Inside, internally, he was he was hiding. We use the word lying. <laughs> uh, and so, verse three, Peter said, "Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land?" Uh, and and he goes on to, to to talk to him. But notice what he said: Why has Satan filled your heart to lie? To the Holy Spirit. Look at a little further down, verse 4. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, uh, was it not at your disposal? Why have you contrived this deal in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Right? Uh, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, the one who uh, God has given to dwell inside of us. Uh, so not to man, but to, uh, to God. Uh, So here we see that the Holy Spirit is God. There are other places we can go as well. Uh, One thing with the Holy Spirit, because of the role that the Spirit plays, uh, the Holy Spirit, in a a sense, or in certain circumstances, you go through the book of of John, even though the the Spirit is uh, spoken about and taught about, uh, uh, perhaps more in the book of John than anywhere else, but when Jesus speaks about He and His Father, uh, we don't always see... Right there in, in the text, uh, the role of the Spirit and, and all that the Spirit's doing, but it's understood that the Spirit is, uh, is there at all times. Anytime we have an interaction, uh, anytime we are praying, praying to the Lord, it's, we're, we're enabled because we have the Holy Spirit uh, that enables us to be able to, to, uh, to pray. So sometimes I'm just saying that the Spirit seems a little more hidden, in a sense, than the Father and, and the Son. Uh, but the reason is because of the role that the Spirit plays. Um, turn to Matthew 28:19, and this is the last chapter of Matthew. It's uh, just before Jesus ascends into heaven. What is it we we uh, find in Matthew 28 that we so often turn to? Yes, Great Commission. That's exactly right. Thank you. Uh, and so in the midst of the Great Commission, this is the place where uh, the Lord Jesus uh, gives and institutes baptism. Uh, it's, it's right here uh, where he says, uh, go therefore. Now we, we do hear from Paul that Paul received instruction directly from Jesus uh, regarding things such as this. But here is where he tells the apostles, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. But notice, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's not names, it's names. That's exactly right. Yeah, in, in one, one name, right. Uh, and, and, and so he is saying, in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, Jim. Yeah. I think it's helpful to try to understand the difference between being and person. 
Okay. Uh, I think uh, the quality that makes a being is the quality that makes them who they are. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas, uh, the, but the person is the quality that makes them what they are. So being is who they are, and person is what they are. And, and that's why we are called human beings. We're not called human persons. We are called human beings because what we are is not who we are. Yeah. So if somebody asks me for who are you, I'm not going to say I'm a human being. I'm going to say I am Jim because mm. that's the person that I am. Yeah. Being and persons are different. And in, in just a moment, we're going to talk about in the confession, thank you for bringing that up, uh, we're going to talk about uh, where it, it, it speaks about the substance, uh, in the unity of the Godhead, there be three persons of one substance, uh, and another word that's often used is essence or being, and so we're going to kind of group those words together, but thank you, there's, there's a distinction uh, certainly be, be, between this unity that God had, one substance, one essence, and the three persons. And that's very important. Now, I will say that to some extent, language, um, I want to say language, well, language does. It, it fails us here to fully understand uh, that the Lord has, <laughs> has, has given us and spoken in, in Scripture and in time that we would know who He is. Uh, yet, uh, the, the, the language that's used, so we've got, we've got Greek and Hebrew. That's what it came out of, uh, as we talked about earlier when we looked at Scripture. Uh, and so we, we focus upon those words that are used in, in Greek especially, because that's where the, the Holy Spirit is described to a greater degree. But at the same time, uh, you know, it's, it, it is like we're using baby talk, or God is using baby talk with us, because uh, can we really understand this, this concept of three persons, one God? Does some, and, and we have ways that we're given to understand it. A husband and wife uh, together, we're, we're told that they're one. They are to become one flesh, right? Um, and, and, and we have a sense of, of what that is, and it's not just external. It, it, there is this internal uh, uh, aspect to it, yet at the same and so that helps us to understand three persons, yet not fully. Because we are two separate, you know, people that are uh, that that are married and that come together and become one flesh, and so we can understand it to some extent, but we fall short uh, at the same time. Um, so the Trinity, and this gets to what uh, you were talking about, Jen. The Trinity is not made up of three parts. Uh, each person is not a a part of God, so that we've got one third and one-third, and one-third, or maybe we, we would see the Father as being really important, so two-thirds, and then one-sixth and one-sixth, would that be enough? We, we can't go there, uh, because there aren't three parts to God. Uh, each person fully shares in, and using that word that was there, the, the one essence uh, of God. So there, there are... In this statement that was given about the Trinity, um, it says there be three persons of one substance, power, 
and eternity. Uh, one essence. Uh, and so what we can say is that uh, in certain senses, when we think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are one. Now notice what we're, it mentions their um, power and eternity. Uh, what about eternity? In what way are the three persons one in eternity? Thoughts? Always been. Thank you. Uh, from before time began. Remember, time is, is part of God's creation. Before time began, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have always been. And uh, as we get to the end of that, uh, we'll talk about that this a little bit more in just a moment. But, um, but there's a relationship that's given as well. You see that word begotten, that eternally proceeding. But that's, that's part of it. So if, if you go back to eternity, uh, we do know that they are one in eternity. What about in power? Do they each have their own power? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One power. Uh, and, and, and what's needed for us to have salvation? There is power needed for salvation. There is power needed as we look at the world around us. Uh, for the rain to fall. There's power needed for each of our hearts to be beating. Uh, there is power. This comes from uh, from the Lord. And it's one power. And so we can't, we, we can't divide it up. Now, can we conceive of all that? Uh, no. <laughs> because we do know that they, they have particular roles that they play. Uh, and uh, yet one in uh, power, one in substance, the essence of God... Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, and one in eternity as well. Um, okay, let's let's look at a couple of passages in Scripture. And really, this is I, you know I think when we talk about the the Trinity, this is where we need to go. <laughs> we need to go to, to Scripture because it's amazing as you open up to Scripture uh, to see because a, a concept that that naturally kind of comes into people's minds when we talk about the. Uh, the Trinity, and we talk about th- the three and one, uh, is this. It is that uh, as we go through the Word, we hear about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there, therefore at this point in Scripture, we're hearing about the, the Father, and we recognize there's a particular role. But at another point, we're hearing about the Son, and so He's taken a different form. At another point, we hear about the Holy Spirit. So we, we might think in our minds naturally, he's, he, he now has taken a, a, a different form in order to play this role. We've got to immediately say, because that does come into our mind easily, uh, and that's one of the heresies uh, over time. That's wrong. That, we, that can't be supported by Scripture. Uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 3. Um, and this is one of the places where we can, we can see and, and recognize this. Uh, Matthew 3, what have we got? Uh, verses 16 and 17, and speaking about the, the baptism of, of Jesus. Remember, uh, John the Baptist uh, was baptizing, and uh, Jesus came to him, and, uh, and, and he said, Shall I baptize you? Incredulous. Uh, but uh, Jesus said, Yes. Uh, but then look at, look at how it proceeded from there. Um, so, you know, Jesus answered him. Why don't we start there with verse verse 15. Read verse 15 through 
17. Lee, can you read that? Thank you. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up through the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Okay, whose voice was that from heaven saying those words? The Father, right? Uh, you know, uh, no matter what age you are, I think, when you hear those words, you can just yeah, picture that in, in your mind and, and hear this booming voice, God the Father saying that. I, I, you know, you, you, you do wonder, okay, what exactly did that sound like? Uh, we don't want to take that too far. We're not given. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, but he does say, this is my... What? That's right. Had to have been majestic. And, and, and I would say powerful and uh, you know, must have been amazing. But this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And there before uh, in this scene uh, was Jesus, the Son of God. And that's who he was speaking about. Uh, and yet at the same time, uh, this is the way the Lord ordained it. That... He saw and others saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. This is right at the very beginning of his ministry. This was uh, to to show uh, the power of God there upon Jesus at the same time. He is God. Uh, And so what a powerful scene. But think about that. Could that possibly be the Father in, in one sense, but... Uh, the, the Father taking a different form now and taking a different form now. No, we have we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, simultaneously there, all uh, uh, acting out of out of who they are, out of one God, in order to provide for the very beginning of this ministry of the Lord Jesus. You know what an amazing scene, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, we went to Matthew 28, 19. This is one of my favorites just because I love First uh, Peter. Uh, so turn to First Peter chapter 1. And, and I'll be honest, I could have gone on and on. There are many places uh, when we go there. And, and try to recognize this. When you, when you read through the New Testament, uh, because that's, that's where you'll see it especially come out. But try to recognize... Uh, you know, right in this one place, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit being represented, uh, each uh, performing their uh, their roles. So, First Peter, chapter one, and this is this is the intro to First uh, Peter. Uh, who wants to read that? Okay, great, thank you. The heading says, "Greeting, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ." Those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, and grace and peace be multiplied to you. Yeah, what a what a beautiful entry to uh, Peter's letter to a people who are being persecuted and who are suffering. And, and uh, so he, he, he talked about them, elect exiles, you know, in all of this area. 
these are those who have come to, to look to Christ, to know Christ. Uh, they are part of the church. And how does he uh, introduce his letter? He says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You know, how comforting that must have been to them. That God is over all things. He's speaking about uh, as we have been and we will be actually in a big way in the next uh, section that we'll look at in the, the confession. But uh, speaking about his sovereignty, according to foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit. Uh, that's what the Spirit does, right? As we live our lives as believers, this is, this is the difficult work. Uh, he's working inside of us to draw us closer and closer to the image of Christ. Uh, and so, but then for obedience to Jesus Christ, and that's what that uh, that sanctification is about. It's it's obeying Christ, uh, looking to Christ, following uh, the uh, He is the Word, following that Word, the Law, uh, and sprinkling with His blood. I need you know I say more there uh, about the role that uh, Jesus has, but but again the three uh, persons. One God. Um, now, what about Old Testament and New? Uh, we already said there, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity. One, uh, you know, eternally one God. Um, so as we turn to the, to, to the Old Testament, can we see as clearly the Trinity? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? No. The answer is, is no. Yet can we see the Trinity? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, I'll just... This is easy. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> um, uh, just the first couple of verses there. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Just a, a, a statement here. What we often find in Scripture, and sometimes it's hard to tell, um, but often it, it, it is clear that uh, the the word God, both Old Testament and New, is used for the Father. And we can tell that, okay, it's speaking specifically here about the Father. In other places, uh, we, we, we can't tell uh, that the word God is used, and it, it may be used in a, a term that's referring to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void. And we take that as being here the Father, uh, although it may be referring to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we, we also see uh, without form and void, darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And so right there we see Spirit. Where do we begin to see the Son, the second person of the Trinity in the Old Testament? I mean, you can name a number of ways or places. What do you think? Old Testament. And of course, we're not seeing Jesus and we're not we're not seeing uh, him fully displayed. But uh, where could we say that we in the, the Old Testament, we see the son? Linda. The angel of the Lord. Thank you. Angel of the Lord often it seems to be a, uh, a manifestation of the second person of the Trinity. Uh, you know, beforehand, many many do hold it, uh, the the angel of the Lord in that way. So, the and spoke. right, the word that is spoken, we can we can see that now looking back, right, uh, as we you know go to like John chapter one where we just were. Um, and also, I mean, God always works through the Son and by the Spirit, and so it's like in in Isaiah six 
where um, you know the angels are holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. That's referenced in uh, in I think is it the end of John? Well, I can't remember. It's, it, uh, and then that's a reference to Isaiah having seen Christ. Right. Right. Yeah, so holy, holy, holy. And, and and so looking back, we can see much more clearly, if you can imagine, we're, if we're a part of the nation of Israel and we're, we're living during those times, it wasn't so clear. They had God's Word through and through, but it wasn't nearly as clear as we have looking back. Uh, yeah, Jim. I'm going back to Genesis chapter 1. Okay. We begin to see... The multiplicity of persons uh, when uh, when he's talking about the creation of man. Uh-huh. And in verse 26 of Genesis 1, he says, Let us make man in our image. In the language that's used, that's exactly right. Image. Right. Let us make man. And in, and in the following verse, in verse 27, it says, He created. Man in his own image, mm-hmm. in the image of God, he created them, and then his male and female. Right, so right. again, there you again begin to continue to see that just with... The oneness and, and, yeah, and you see that with man and woman, but, but certainly you see it within the language, with God. Uh, yeah, Lee. And again, Genesis 3.22. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you. You know, this is much better than me, you know, uh, preparing and, and coming up because you're, you're coming up with all kinds of ones that I, I hadn't thought about. But that's exactly right. So in the language, kind of throughout, uh, we see this. Uh, yeah, the, the the multiplicity of persons, yet one God. Uh, what about in? Uh, well, I'm you know in our service, I'm going to turn us to. Um, Number of places in the Old Testament, but one of those uh, will be Isaiah chapter nine. Uh, yeah, the, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Uh, who is this light? What is this light? Yes, Atticus. That's right, Jesus. That's exactly right. Now he is this light. Now. Would they have understood this uh, in, in this time? Well, in a sense, because they were looking forward to the Messiah. They knew about the son of David. They knew about God's covenant and who it made. Uh, and so they, they were looking forward. They didn't know all the details. And we see that many, many, when it came to the first century, they missed it. <laughs> they missed him altogether. They should have should have known, but their hearts weren't right spiritually. But then you know, we can go on in, in Isaiah 9, like Atticus uh, said, you, you, uh, you can see it more and more. Uh, clearly in uh, in who is revealed. You know, for, for to us a, a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and on and on from there. So uh, all that to say that uh, through and through, uh, Old Testament and New, not as clear in the Old Testament. New Testament, yes. You know, all the way through, we have to affirm Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh we talked about. Um, let, let me just read something because I, I think this helps to hear it 
from uh, a scholar. This is from uh, a pastor and scholar. This is from Chad Ben Dixhorn, uh, who you know, was at Westminster, I think, and now. Anyway, he's got a lot of uh, credentials, but now he, he just came on board at uh, RTS, I believe. But he, here's what he says about what uh, Jim was talking about earlier. Remember, being, essence, uh, uh, substance. Um, and he says this as God. He's speaking about the persons. He says they are unified in their substance. That's what it says in the Confession. And and he says, here we are grasping for words. Uh, We are only trying to say that the three really are one God. Uh, First, there is God the Father. Second, there is uh, God the Son. Third, there is God the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. The Westminster divines were trying to make clear in as few words as possible that the Father and the Son and the Spirit of God. And this is just what the Bible teaches. But he says, yeah, we're grasping at words because we can't. Uh, we can we can state what the Bible says. We can repeat that, but that's what we need to do. Uh, we can't uh, fully understand these things, and, and so we need to recognize that there there is um, there some of the kids who are here when we had communicants class. I I play a uh, a video that uh, I had made with a couple of other. Uh, men who are going through uh, seminary, through, through the program together. And we were in a class, class was on the Trinity. And so we went around, this is a project that we did, but it, it was really interesting. We went around and interviewed a whole bunch of people. Uh, you know, tell us, what do you know about the Trinity? Uh, and so we, you know, there were scholars there, there were seminary professors, there were, you know, pastors who had been pastors for a long time. We also just went kind of on the street. We were at Southern Methodist University there. We were able to walk around and interview people, and we interviewed those who were Buddhists. And, you know, as we got a lot of really interesting responses. But one thing that was notable, well, a couple of things, were when we interviewed those at the seminary, even one who had been my professor who taught the course, but it was amazing the humility that we heard, you know, men who had been pastors for a long time. And they, they would say somewhere in there, they'd just kind of shake their head and say, we just can't fully understand this. But this is who God is. And they'd say it, you know, some almost with tears in their eyes. Uh, this is who God is. But, they say, we, we don't want to go and begin speculating about things. We want to affirm uh, who God is, and they would repeat again and again and again. You could just count it. Well, three persons, one God. One God, three persons, over and over. And so that's what we need to have in our mind uh, and in our hearts. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, three gods, one person. Um, and we do need to be careful with that because of what I said before. That, that one um, uh, heresy... Uh, where, you know, Father is the Son, is the Spirit. Um, it's called modalism. You might also call here it called uh, Sabellianism. Um, but modalism, that there are three, there's one God, but three modes. The reason which, he's saying there's one person who has three ways of appearing. That's right. Yeah. You know, kind of like they probably put it on a farmer's hat and then a, you know, and then a cloth hat and then a, you know, kind of like that. Yeah. So like a, an actor, you know, and a, and a play. Yes. 
And, and yet that, that is very different, right? That, that's one person, uh, not three persons. Um, you know, we can, uh, again, we can look at a number of different uh, passages there. Um, another uh, heresy is called Arianism. Uh, and this was one in which uh, Arius, who was a bishop, uh, said that uh, the second, what we would say, the second person of the Trinity was not always. In fact, he said there was a time when he was not. That he was the firstborn of all created. And so he's very important. The, the Son and uh, Jesus, very important. But just the firstborn of all of God's creation. Would that mean that he's God? No. Couldn't be God. Uh, and so this was a denial of the Trinity. A very powerful one. One that, uh, that was condemned at uh, Nicaea in 325 at that council. Had to be condemned later at another uh, council of the church. And there's, there was a large contingent of people that were holding to this. There are today uh, a pretty sizable contingent that, uh, you know, so Jehovah's Witnesses would be one of those uh, that would hold to Arianism. What would be, I just have to mention this, what would be attractive about saying that Jesus was, and I will say, he, he is called the firstborn of all creation. Uh, but the emphasis there, when, when they would think about the firstborn, what would they think about? Uh, birth? Yeah, yeah, status, the inheritance. Uh, right, that, that he is the one who has all. Uh, and then right after that, it's stated in, uh, in Colossians that he is God. It's just very clear that uh, he, he is of the same nature as the Father of the Holy Spirit. But, um, uh, but Arius denied that. But what, what's attractive about denying and essentially saying that the Son is not God? Right. And we kind of bring bring uh, bring Jesus down and you know put our arm around him. I, I think also uh, if you do that, if, well, I mean obviously that's to ignore all of this teaching from the Bible that you're giving us. Right. But it makes it makes people feel better because they can understand things a bit better, and you know it doesn't require that same humility. Of recognizing, listen, this is the argument. I can't, I can't understand this. That's, that's a great point. Great point, Jim. Did you? Yeah, I, I think uh, that that uh, error tends to give credibility uh, to other religions when you deny the exclusivity of Christ, when you deny that the only way to be reconciled to the Father is through the Son. Mm. Uh, and that's why Christianity is very, very expensive to many other people because of the exclusivity of our faith. And think about what, what the Lord Jesus requires. What does he say? Die to self and follow me. I mean, that, that's, that right there would be enough uh, for, for many to say, well, you know, I, I want to follow Jesus. I, I want this, uh, but I don't want that. And so to figure out a way around it, yeah. Uh, let um, for, for a humorous depiction of this, uh-huh. go to YouTube and look up Lutheran satire. Okay. There is a, um, 
little they had neutral satire in sort of this. They had these two guys, and I can't remember who they are with their names, but I think I've seen this. In Irish, yeah. but they, right, you know, right. they go, you know, some St. Patrick is trying to explain, mm-hmm. you know, all the different heresies. And, and the one that just sticks in mind is that's Mormonism, actually. <laughs> but I mean, if you look yeah. these things up, I mean, and they, they, they address serious theological issues. He's actually teaching. That's right. As you go yeah. through that, actually, that I have seen that. It's really, and it's, it's, it's helpful. Is, but it's true. So that's what you look up is uh, Lutheran, Lutheran satire. satire. Okay. Is the <laughs> it's good. They have, they have lots of. Yeah. Uh, it's good, and it is helpful for us to know these heresies. It may seem like drudgery, uh, but to know some of the the main heresies because they're here today. Our own hearts uh, want at times to go in that direction. Uh, and, and it may just be from a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, which we, we need to, to use God's word to prevent. But it may also be because of our sin nature or certainly others, uh, you know, sin nature of groups and things. We need but to be able to I think them. also on the other side of that, there can be like the practicals uh, following after these things where we, you know, we are official. You know, when we're sitting here, we say, yes, Jesus is God. But then, uh, but then in our day-to-day lives, are we really... Are we really walking by faith and recognizing that Jesus is God and yes, He's trying to save us in every way? That's right. He has the authority. He has the yes. authority over me. He has the authority over the world. He's sovereign. He's head over all things uh, for the church. You know, do I do I really walk by faith in these things? Are these very much on my mind day by day? Yes. And 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 let me just. This is somebody else. I'm sorry. Um, let me just. Uh, Follow this up, the Arianism, with just a couple of verses here. This is out of Colossians. This is the, the one where it is, uh, so Colossians 1.15, uh, speaking about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. But look at what this is followed by, the firstborn of all creation. And, and again, in that culture, Emphasize what the firstborn was was he, he was the one who had all things he had the status uh, he, he he was the one who would receive I think the inheritance. Psalm eighty-eight where it talks about making David the firstborn. That, that was very much okay. understanding. But here's uh, this is Colossians chapter one verse fifteen. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body of the church and, and, and is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, that in him, uh, that, in, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Uh, this is God. Is speaking about this is just, just the very next part says in him all things hold together. He exercises providence. He's the one who is upholding the whole universe. Yes. By his power. And so, so yeah. You point that out to Jehovah's Witness. Right, you know that's from experience. Okay, good. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and we can go further in, in Colossians, certainly uh, two nine. Uh, for in Him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And then Paul says, "And you have been filled in Him." I mean, there's the glory of it. 
that we are partakers of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, all the way through. So, uh, one more thing I, I, that, uh, you know, okay, uh, maybe we will only get to the Trinity today, but uh, um, one more thing, that last phrase about uh, begotten, let me read it. Uh, it, well, it says, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Holy Spirit, uh, the Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. Okay, that's the Father. And intentionally, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, etern- uh, eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. That last important, that last phrase. From the Father and from the Son, speaking about the Spirit, uh, in a sense, caused a schism within the church between the East and the West. Uh, now, there are many other things that led up to that, but that, that was the phrase that uh, that we find in, in Scripture, but that uh, caused some of the schism. What essentially that that is saying is speaking about from eternity. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have not only existed, but there has been this relationship. And, and that's the key. The Father has always been the Father. The Son has always been the Son, begotten of the Father. Now that term we use, uh, you got the King James Version, certainly. Uh, you turn to some of the, the uh, lineage passages and you'll read, so-and-so was begotten of so-and-so. So-and-so was begotten of so-and-so, right? And so what we think immediately of that word is, is birth. You know, there was a birth that came and yet again, uh, you know, language is being used in such a way here of God to help describe something. And so we need to see that from Scripture, but not to take it in the wrong way. And so what it is describing is uh, begotten of that. It's just that relationship. Father, son, father, son. And we know we know a father and we know a son. We know what that relationship is and that the father has always been the relation, been the father and eternally. The Son has always been the Son. Uh, now, there are a couple of contentious uh, things uh, that I'm not planning on getting into here necessarily, but uh, anyway, Jim's probably going to bring them up. I don't know, but uh, go ahead. <laughs> so, this is what is commonly referred as to the ontological trinity. Okay. Which oh. talks about the different roles mm-hmm. of each person of the three. They all, they're one person, but they're one being, three persons. That's the ontological part, right? Yes. Yes. Each person has a different role. Yes. So the Father was the sender. Yes. Uh, The Son was the sent one. Right. And the the Holy Spirit was the one that was sent by the Son. Yes. So, you know, you have to understand that each of the three persons of the Trinity has a different role, even though they're one person. Right. The ontological Trinity. They're not one person. Yeah, yeah. One being. Yes, yes. Uh, And that that brings up a good point. I mean, we can easily, I've probably committed heresy ten times since I've been up here because you easily begin to stumble over your words and, you know, but, uh, but uh, you need each other to, to point that out. But you're exactly right. So we are talking about here the ontological trinity that from eternity, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what we, what we see in scripture is that the Holy Spirit 
uh, we use the word proceeds from the Father and the Son. And so uh, the, the, there, there is this, uh, this relationship that is there ontologically, in other words, uh, in, in the being of God from eternity. And so I, I thank you for bringing that up. There, but to point out that there was a point in time, has, uh, make sure I say this the right way, uh, did uh, the Lord Jesus or did the second person of the Trinity always have a body like man? No. no. Thank you. Uh, and so, no, there was a point in time, uh, and it, it came, you know, we, we profess it in the Nicene, uh, in the Nicene Creed, but also in the, the Apostles' Creed, uh, that uh, in the womb of Mary, this is the, the amazing thing, uh, that uh, there was a birth that occurred by the Holy Spirit, but a birth that occurred. And at that point, uh, the, the Son had a body. Uh, and we see body like we have. Um, Isaiah even says, uh, Isaiah 53, nothing to look at, uh, um, you know, which you know, we must, must affirm. But uh, when we think about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, so that there are going to be some differences when Jesus became man uh, that occur at that point. Uh, with Jesus, and we're going to go over these. We'll get to chapter eight of the uh, confession, and we'll talk about these uh, these you know, differences. Talk about all, all about the Lord Jesus. Um, but right now, just the, the Trinity. I want I want us just to understand that in eternity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit relationships always there. Uh, the, the Father proceeding from or begotten by none. The the Son begotten of the Father. That means uh, the Father has always been the Father. The Son always the Son. And then the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son. Yeah. Just uh, quickly, just, you know, some of this, I think people can hear and think, okay, well, this is a little bit kind of fine. Right. right. But it's, it's, got, it's got real implications. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned about the split in the church over the Philadelphia Clause and the Nicene Creed were talking about that, uh, that the Spirit proceeds from the Father and from the Son. And you see that in, because Eastern Orthodox uh, uh, rejects that, that right. the Spirit was also sent by the Son. And, but in practice, that has huge implications because they, they believe that you can have this experience of you know, the Spirit and their spirituality abstracted from the Word. And so they don't understand the relationship properly between the Son and the Spirit. And it has terrible consequences for, uh, for their emotion. And that's a good point uh, also for us today because uh, the same thing can happen when we're not truly Trinitarian in, in our worship. And we can see it in, in other uh, you know, churches that have formed where uh, there isn't, the, the Holy Spirit becomes this separate entity, not you know, opening up the Word, not. Uh, uh, out of the role that we see in Scripture, and it creates creates all kinds of issues where uh, you know all of a sudden the, the Spirit is one that that we just have separately, and and He helps us to to know God really a, a, apart from the Son, and that's that's not a good thing, obviously. Yeah. I just have a, a question for you. That mm-hmm. you can explain. Okay. Um, we know that the body Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Right. Uh, after his birth. But we often see, particularly in the Old Testament, 
examples of the angel of the Lord mm-hmm. being present, God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. Right. Can you explain that? Well, uh, not fully. <laughs> um, so uh, the the pre we often call it the pre-incarnate. So the in- incarnation was Jesus coming uh, to live among us. Pre-incarnate uh, appearances of Jesus. Uh, this would would be seems so it wasn't. Jesus in his body, which came to be uh, the one who was with the disciples and uh, who, who died upon the cross. It wasn't that that body in that sense. It was an appearance that God provided of the second person of the Trinity. And, and again, I'll say this is what many people hold. We're not told. You know, so the Bible doesn't tell us this is the second person of, of the Trinity. And so there are many, you know, partly for that reason, perhaps that would say, no, uh, this is, you know, this is like other uh, other angels, but this is the angel of the Lord that's different. And there are other appearances as well uh, where uh, Jacob, you know, wrestles with a, a man, uh, and and so you know there there are other places we see this, but uh, with. With the body that he came to have, that Jesus came to have, uh, this was the body that came from from Mary, uh, and it was, you know, particular. This was, it was for us, and uh, that that we that he he lived. God lived amongst us, uh, and therefore was able to identify with us, and and we are able to to see him in that way. And he continues today. To have that body, and that would have been a question to ask everybody: Does does Jesus have a body? To, yes, yes, he does have. This was after the resurrection, and so he has a renewed body. And again, we don't fully understand all of this, but we, there are. We look to that to say this is what we will have as well. First Corinthians chapter fifteen that talks about the body that we will have. Yeah, and then we'll need to close. Again, here, and we will, we're going to get into that more, I think, as we get into chapter 8. But, it's uh, mind-boggling. It is, isn't it? Yeah. And, and part of what we do, I mean, ultimately, when we have faith in the Lord, <laughs> we open up His Word and we say, show me. And then we affirm, this is true, and we take glory in it, and, and we glorify God and we worship Him because of who He is. Uh, and it is glorious, but at the same time, we're able to be, be humble. There's, uh, you know... Uh, that's one of the things that the Lord is doing, certainly, is He requires us to be humble before Him. Uh, so that, that's when I did that, uh, uh, the film or the, the uh, video with the uh, great, great scholars and, and, and to hear them in humility, repeating the same thing that the first year, you know, student is repeating, you know, coming through. It was, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. So, well, that, that, it is time, yeah. I'm excited to Amanda's having her baby. Oh, <laughs> on the Lord's yeah. day. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. she started preparing at four, went to the hospital at eight, and then they said you can wait at home or stay. So they were on their way home and they went through a drive-thru to get some food. Oh. Her water broke. <laughs> <laughs> and Joe's like trying to ready to get the car out of there. She said, no, no, we're eating food for her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 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 
So again, something we don't fully understand, but we affirm. Isn't that right? Isn't that the way it is? We've got a combination membership baptism service coming up. That's exactly right. And that was, yeah, that's kind of what Joe Joe said. Let's do this. So that's good. That's good. Well, let me say a word of prayer for us, and uh, we will uh, go to worship. Uh, Father, we thank you for these things. Uh, Words uh, can't express. Uh, and shouldn't be able to express our, our own hearts as we uh, hear about these things, as we uh, read and recognize who you are in all of your glory. A one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three uh, persons. And, and to know what you have done for us, uh, we, we just have to be amazed and we have to worship. And so I, I pray that we will do this, do that now. And uh, Father, we do thank you for those things that are hidden from us, even the things that we can't fully understand, uh, including what we just heard about uh, with the Pattersons and uh, with this new life that is uh, coming into this world. We pray that you'll watch over uh, Amanda during this time, that you'll provide for her, for the baby as well. Uh, You'll protect uh, this little life uh, and... Uh, we, we give you great thanks at the same time. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.